0: Request for Startups is a show with tech insiders about products and companies that should exist, but haven't yet. Listen first, then build.
1: Aaron hey, Chow, welcome to Request for Startups. Thanks for joining.
2: Thanks for having us. Thanks, Thanks for having us.
1: So why don't you start by giving us just a tour of how your guys' investing has evolved since, <laughs> since you guys started? Working together on, on DeFi Alliance and as the space has, has evolved, give us a little bit of context.
2: Primarily when we started, we started, as you mentioned, as DeFi Alliance, we've now evolved to what we're called the Alliance. And primarily back then, it was heavy infrastructure and DeFi because those were the only two sectors that had some like early signals that it was going to become a pretty big industry. Uh, infrastructure obviously makes a lot of sense. You know, when they say picks and shovels, it could be for any new up and coming, uh, emerging sector. Uh, but for DeFi specifically, the concept of like open finance, open money was, uh, intriguing for a lot of people in, in, in a global way. I mean, if you look at what's happening in, in Turkey or, or Argentina or, you know, different places across the world, there's different aspects of money that's affecting each and every individual in those, in those countries. So we were able to amass a global pool of incredible talent that got really excited about DeFi. And I think that is what ultimately led to the growth of DeFi. And then over time, it's that money or the the talent space started to spill over to different aspects of the crypto economy. Um, You may see some signals around NFTs. NFTs has become more or less like a consumer product. Uh, and so thinking about how do you bring in fans or how do you engage fans and et cetera, we'll talk more, more about that. Uh, infrastructure. I think Chow will talk a bit about that and zero knowledge proofs. Um, but I think on the consumer side, we're going to see a lot of innovation on the NFTs, decentralized finance. I still think we're in the early innings of DeFi, uh, and, uh, B2B products as well. So you're already seeing some of this with, um, uh nansen is a is a great product and, and a couple other products that are out there but i'd say those are three or four areas but how it is ev- how it has evolved for us is that now that um, startups are applying to our program we used to support them primarily on the DeFi side but now we've opened up the floodgates for all of the founders in crypto to to come join our program and a lot of our learnings within DeFi has helped bootstrap many of the other economies that, that are starting in, in the crypto space. And I'll pass it over to Chow for, for the infrastructure side. Um, the, uh,
3: th- the only thing I would add is um, we've gone much earlier than we were a couple de- of years ago um, for a couple of reasons. One is we really enjoy working with early stage startups. Uh, uh, it gives us a lot of energy to be this uh, co founder for just two guys working from their garage gives, give, gives us a lot of energy. And two is that um, we actually think that the vast majority of incumbents today in crypto will not remain incumbents in five years. They will be dead. They will be dethroned by startups um, for a very simple reason, which is that today, if you look at the, the landscape of, of crypto, if you look at the number of users in crypto, it's very small. It's, Probably much less than 100 million users globally. And that basically rounds up to or runs down to zero. It's basically zero for me. Um, so it's really early for everyone. And as things move, as new technologies uh, emerge in crypto, there will be new opportunities for startups. And the incumbents, they will miss those opportunities. So, you know, the, the classic innovators' dilemma they will miss the opportunities, they will move too slow. And um, as a result, I think the vast majority of them will not be, will not remain the front runner uh, in uh, a few years. So we love uh, supporting the early stage uh, startups that are going up against incumbents.
1: And, and when you're saying incumbents, are you mentioning? Are you thinking about companies like Coinbase or protocols yes. like Ethereum or like, yeah,
3: yes, the, the, Which the incumbents. The incumbents in crypto, basically, um, the, the likes, like, name any, any sector, like DeFi, right, or, or uh, in decentralized Indexes, you'll uh, be Uniswap. In uh, NFTs, you'll be OpenSea. By the way, OpenSea and Magic Eden have already gotten dethroned. Um, Magic Eden got dethroned by one of our startups uh, called Tensor, uh, who are still just two guys, and Magic Eden has 100 people. Um, same thing happened to OpenSea, uh, which got dethroned by Blur. Binance, FT, FTX actually <laughs> killed themselves in the process. So FTX you could consider them as, a, as an incumbent back then and they killed themselves. Um, uh, what else is there? Binance seems to be in a lot of trouble. Um, I don't yeah. know if they'll be relevant again in five years. Um, but, but I think the only not saying, sector... You're not
1: saying Bitcoin and Ethereum?
3: Bitcoin is its own beast. Uh, Bitcoin is very hard. Yeah. Ethereum also has a lot of uh, network effect. Possibly, it'll face a lot of competition from Solana, just because Solana is much cheaper and much simpler in design, which is um, much more uh, dev-friendly. Ethereum, you have way too much complexity, I think. But I'm I'm not saying Ethereum will lose to Solana. I'm just saying it's possible. Um, But uh, they have a lot more network effect cool
1: well let's go into some of these spaces and why don't you talk about where the where the opportunities are and how you think these markets may develop and you know what white space uh, exists as a result of it so m- maybe let's start with um, consumer applications
3: yeah uh consumer applications are um, are a thing that that uh really troubles uh, pretty much everyone in crypto because you know, we've been working on this thing for 10 years and we still haven't ha- had a, a real consumer product that, that made it to the mainstream. Um, there are a couple of NFT marketplaces, but uh, I wouldn't call them mainstream yet, for example. And then the, the natural question is, why is that the case? And I, I, you might not have been thinking about this. We've tried like, probably cl- close to 100 crypto consumer products and uh, what I can say is, the vast majority of them are just extremely uninspiring. So, if you use many of these like social applications, uh, you don't feel any anything magical. You don't feel the magic. They're just doing exactly what the the Web two incumbents do, the Web two social networks do, without providing anything new.
2: Um, and on top of that, you have the complexities of the the private key management, right? Exactly. Uh, so, so not only are they not yeah.
3: providing anything new, they actually create more friction when it comes to onboarding. Yeah. Um, and to this date, I still think that DeFi Summer 2020 was the single most magical moment in all of crypto. And I think DeFi Summer worked because the DeFi people were unapologetic about doing something crazy, about embracing speculation, about being completely degen which the vast majority of consumer crypto founders today do not embrace. They, 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 they somehow feel too embarrassed to embrace speculation. They think that speculation is a, a bad thing. Everyone's, especially the VCs, VCs think, oh, we need to move beyond speculation into this utility phase of crypto. That, that is the most midwit uh, view in all of crypto. Spe- speculation... Specul- speculation is utility exactly (laughs) like what do you do on the internet like what are the three most important things you do on the internet you try to make money you try to date and uh entertainment i think crypto is really good at the first thing it might be able to help with the second thing the, the dating part and uh i don't know if it's relevant for the third thing but Crypto is really good at speculation and somehow people, people don't want to embrace it. And, and that's just really mind boggling. Um, so the, the kind of opportunities I, 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 I think founders should embrace or at least experiment with in consumer crypto is, is to embrace hyper-financialization. Embrace the speculative nature of it. Provide a new experience that, that the Web2 products don't, don't provide.
2: I, I'm going to also tag... Uh there's a tweet from uh, Nikita Bier. He's he's a pretty big, uh, you know, he's he's a good guy. I I mean, I enjoy a lot of his tweets. But he he sent out a tweet uh, a month ago, and he said, there'll never be a consumer product that takes off purely for political reasons like being censorship resistant or decentralized banking. Think of consumers as lizard brains. They mindlessly tap on rectangles on a screen for basic needs, like making money or finding a date. And that's... And I think making money is exactly what crypto does, right? And so we should double down on those types of products um, and really embrace <laughs> speculation.
4: You guys mentioned that there's, you know, less than sub, sub 100 million users. Do we think that speculation as a category is going to get us to a billion? What takes us to sort of consumer adoption?
3: Speculation, the, the very concept of it can definitely bring us to a billion people. Because out of the 7 billion humans on the planet, how many of them don't want to make money? I think the answer is close to zero. Who doesn't want to make money? Who doesn't want to, especially the retail, you know, the, 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 long te- the, the people who are not, um, you know, who don't have financial freedom, they would love the opportunity to, uh, to buy some EV positive lottery, which crypto offers. The, crypto is, is 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 a casino, and it's it it's, it's a, it offers a lottery. But the casino and the lottery that crypto offers is EV positive, and, and that's what, what the retail
4: love. It's um, a and, funny way to phrase it. Is, is there a billion casino users globally? Probably, maybe maybe there's a billion you know, online casino users that are, that are waiting to get you know lower friction onboarded into the ecosystem.
2: That's right. It, like, it, just throwing some numbers out there, Coinbase has about a hundred million users, daily active users, um, in twenty twenty two, and uh, the quarterly trading volume for those users is about three hundred thirty six billion dollars. So, just U S. alone, and that's those are pretty big numbers. Now, if you think about it from a global aspect, I mean, trillions is is, is the idea here. Um, and I'll throw out another quote. Um, if you know uh, Larry Fink, the the CEO of BlackRock, he recently went on, a, uh, on the air and he talked about how important Bitcoin and Ethereum is uh, for a couple aspects. But the one aspect I'll point out here is that he called it an international asset, uh, which I think is very powerful, right? So if you think about the markets today, it's primarily regulated and controlled. And so U.S. people can only trade in the U.S. Obviously, you have like offshore entities and things like that. But from that perspective, for retail communities, they're very, it's very hyper localized. So now if you think about what's happening is we're unraveling these hyper localized markets into global markets. And now you're seeing markets that are trading in the trillions, billions, trillions. And that's, that's a very big opportunity. I mean, if you think about it. Hey, everybody. Eric here with a word from our sponsors.
0: The tech world turns to the Brave browser for its unbeatable privacy protections. But did you know that Brave also has a private ad platform? Brave Ads offers first-party targeting, and it's been cookie-less since day one. So you can relax while third-party tracking cookies disappear from the web. Today, millions of people turn to ad blockers to avoid being tracked and pestered online. But Brave's new ad model aligns incentives for users and advertisers. Users earn rewards for viewing ads which they can save, spend, or pass along to their favorite creators. And advertisers score points for respecting user privacy, generating ROI without invasive tracking. So whether it's high-impact announcements on the new tab page, or keyword targeted ads in Brave Search, Brave offers diverse, private, future-proof ad formats for all your business goals. Join the future of advertising at brave.com/slash ads. Mention M O Z when signing up for a 25% discount on your first campaign.
1: There was this excitement around kind of play to earn or all these kind of different X to earn. Is was that all hype or was there an interesting idea there? What do you think about that?
3: The the token designs were obviously flawed. Yeah. But the fundamental concept of using tokens to incentivize certain behaviors, to create certain habits, or to play games, that is novel and that was not possible in Web2, at least not easily feasible in Web2. And somehow because of the collapse of those tokens, we as an industry, we've swung from one extreme of the pendulum to the other. You know, we've gone from, you know play to earn all the way to building web two point five games, just putting some in-game assets on chain and, and in a super boring game. Uh, I think we've overcorrected. Um, we should definitely try to go back and embrace those creative things um, while obviously improving the the, the, the token design um, so fundamentally, I'm, I the, fundamentally i I think it's fundamentally I think the founders today are not being creative enough. They're just trying to copy paste whatever that's that works in in web two. But if you copy the same thing and put it on the blockchain without offering anything new, without offering new experience, it's just not going to work.
2: I mean, it's the same thing's happening in the AI side too, right? I mean, you have this rush where people see new innovation and they all kind of come towards it. And then they see the next best thing and they copy and they just, uh, try to grow as fast as they can. But it turns out that it's all a facade.
3: You know, Imran, the, the other thing I'm really annoyed about is, uh, it's, it's related to, to uh, speculation, it's, it's, um, it's NFTs. Like people say, yeah. pe- people say they're bearish about PFPs and they're bullish about utility NFTs. Again, that's one of the most midwit takes in, in crypto. Like they, they think, so what is a utility NFT? Like it's, it's things like ticketing, NFT, NFT ticketing. Exactly.
4: But tickets Who were just fine.
3: <laughs> why would you want tickets on, uh, in the form of an NFT? Right.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, but the reason why PFPs actually work is that it hits another part of the, the lizard brain, which is the status, it's yeah. a status game. Like being part of an NFT community is, um, it shows our status. Uh, among this this uh group of peers
2: and for those that don't know what pfps are they're profile pictures that's what it means um and so i'll add a little bit more insight to this also is um we see pfps as the next iteration of online communities if you if you see what's happening on reddit um i'd say that's like maybe the first form of of online communities um Maybe Facebook, Facebook groups, Instagram could be the second kind of group of uh, online communities. But I think the third wave is primarily going to be around um, uh, PFPs or or, or NFTs. And that's primarily going to be a function of like, what desirable DNAs do you align with in, in these communities? And if you look at like each community, there is like a certain like group of Traits that that people look for before they actually join these communities. Um, if you look at, and I'll throw out some names. It may may or may not make sense, but like D Gods is a, an NFT community. I consider them like the uh, online frat boys uh, community. Uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, and 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 you have these communities, and they're online, and and anyone can join frictionlessly, right? And they can join similar people that feel the same way. And these communities are large. And, uh, and I think that's going to continue to grow over time. And NFTs is an enablement of that. Uh, and so when you think about NFTs, when you're part of a community like d or Pudgy Penguins, I'll throw out all these things, CryptoPunks, those NFTs could turn into tickets, right? Or NFT uh, passes. And it does. So they create like curated events. And you need to have an NFT to go, one of those NFTs to go into those like, hyper-localized events. Uh, and so I do think it's kind of like an inverse process that there, these online communities are taking to kind of bridge online and in real life types of types of opportunities. Uh, and I'll throw one more thing out there. We're seeing a lot of experimentation with NFT communities as well. If you look at what Pudgy Penguins is doing, uh, they, start, they started creating. It's a very cute penguin. So if you don't know what it is, it's like pretty cute. Uh, and so what they're doing is they they started creating toys and these toys are selling on Amazon. And every time they list it, it's sold out. And they've sold out like already millions of dollars of toys. And, uh, and so there is some interesting elements of like bridging the online world to the, to the real world using NFTs as a start. I'll throw out another anecdote, which is um, like music NFTs. Um, so Sound.xyz is a music NFT platform. And you have artists all over the world that will sell, you know, 30 to 50, you know, whatever arbitrary number. And so, people that are super fans will collect these NFTs. And so, someone from the outside will ask me, "Well, why would you want to buy an NFT with music on it when you can just listen to it on Spotify?" Yeah. Then I just reply back, "Like, why would someone pay ten thousand dollars to watch a Taylor Swift concert? Right? Yeah. Um, it's it's just to be as close to the the artist as possible, and this is one way of doing that. It's getting privileged access." to events getting privileged access to the artist and then and this could uh, in in return like from a secondary or byproduct of this is enable speculation like if you want to long taylor swift you could long taylor swift by buying her nfts
3: actually remember what you just said there is you touched on two really good points uh one is speculation and the other one is status yeah and and that's exactly what I think crypto startups should embrace more of, yeah. st- stick closer to, to these two ideas.
1: So, what are some requests for startups based on those two ideas that, that, that you guys have that we haven't yet mentioned?
3: I don't know. If I knew, I would build a startup myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, where else in NFT or kind of Web3 social do you think is, a, is interesting or, or an opportunity? You know, people have been trying to create Web3
2: Twitter, etc. I mean, there's Farcaster and Lens. So Farcaster is both. I mean, they're both very interesting. Um, you know, they're taking two different approaches.
3: I think one thing that could work for crypto social is full full on censorship resistance yeah. in terms of like full on free speech, saying things that um, otherwise would not be allowed by um, many governments. Um, autocratic governments around the world.
2: Could this be like, um, I don't know, like a lightning in a bottle moment where, let's say Turkey, because Turkey did this before when there was a um, uprise, they ended up turning off all the DNS resolvers that could resolve to the internet. So anyone that wanted access to the internet could really access to the internet. Um, is the idea, you know, you know, let's say outside of having decentralized DNS services, it's kohanshik. Oh, Handshake. So like a Handshake would make a lot of sense, right? Because, you know, there are countries across the globe that are very restrictive on internet access. So there is a natural flow to getting access to the internet through like decentralized resolvers. You could say the same thing about like Farcaster and Lens, right? Which is, you know, if there was a a restrictive country where their citizens can't access the internet openly, you know, Farcaster and Lens makes a lot of sense. But going back to um, Nikita's tweet earlier, he says, wait, what did he say that like going after like a political strategy or, or things like that really doesn't make a lot of sense, right? It's really going to be about the lizard brains, right? And like, how can they access the internet? How can they make money? Things like that. And those are the use cases you got to tap for. And uh, when you're using Farcaster or, or Lens, um, both are great products. Uh, but the question is, like, how is this more different than, let's say, Twitter or others, right? So that's uh, from an end user perspective. Chow and I know that these products are decentralized, censorship resistant, all of that. But how much does that matter to the end users, the question?
4: Yeah, and is the community that's built around these things. I mean, these ones are, are fine, but if you have a, a social network that's built really like banned political speech, it's uh, sort of not very fun because most of the things that a band are not very fun. So you might be un- unshackled to say whatever you want, but perhaps the, the sort of, tail of the population wouldn't necessarily want to be hanging out in those spaces. It's so, some of the social networks that let them
2: Yeah. I mean, there is a counter, There, there is another thesis, and I don't know, like we'll, we'll still need to think about it, but the idea of uh, separated communities, right? You're seeing this with like Mastodon and then Threads, right? You have, you know, Mastodon that launched Pub Activity, which is like a decentralized, like social uh, infrastructure where, you know, different servers can connect. They can have their own users, but then they can share their users and content with other people that are connected to the servers. Threads is on it, um, uh, Mastodon, and I'm assuming more and more, you know, companies will adopt this if Threads becomes a thing. Um, and, and that was like the other kind of uh, interesting element that I thought Farcaster and Lens brought in, which is, well, you know, Twitter is like a social graph of, well, you have like separated social graphs of different like topics, but then you have this like general like town hall where all of these social graphs and all these individuals collide. And so you started to see some like signals where, you know, truth, which is a right wing only social graph that started its own client, right? And you're starting to see, you know, some of these clients like move off of Twitter to, to their own communities. And that kind of makes sense, right? Like having your own communities, your own client. And I, I maybe that could be a thing. Um, but how big of it, how big can it get? I am not sure. What do you think, yeah, Joe? If
4: we the, yeah, if we sent the odds, like, trying to unify the world. Like, Mark Zuckerberg's project was the global community. Turns yeah. out that the, the global community has uh, incompatible beliefs at the level of principles. And, yeah. Uh, that produces conflict and, and discomfort. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe that helps us move to a more uh, sort of air-gapped world where communities with incompatible principles can just live and live, and live by, not, by not being in each other's... Uh, information spheres.
2: Yeah. And you're you're seeing this also with like uh, the newer generations where um, they have their own like private social clubs for different topics um, where, you know, if you want to join these communities, you know, it's a, you know, kind of a consensus opt-in and you join these communities, it could be focused on, I don't know, fashion or whatever. And they're very hyper localized, hyper focused in these topics. And maybe that's going to be a thing, right? Where these, communities that are now so like if you look at the world right you know the world the goal was to get everybody online now that everyone's online they're all talking and there's just conflict everywhere right and now we're like all right now that we're all in the same room we need to get off these rooms Uh, we need to get get out of these rooms into our own rooms and start to figure out like who i like and who i want to connect with from a general perspective and maybe that's what's happening on the macro side i'm not sure
1: we've been talking about DeFi summer um Where's DeFi now, and 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 is there any way to get back the magic?
3: I would say it's still pre- it's still pretty magical. Yeah. Um. Although the the trading volume and the TVL have 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 gone down, um, since FTX, uh, which is a a little bit counterintuitive because you would expect DeFi to take off when uh, CFI uh blows up, um. But I think that's just a function of the overall market that has been down over the last uh, year or two. Um, Where is DeFi today? Well, Uniswap just launched two uh, big um, products, uh, the Uniswap V4 and um, uh, yesterday, the Uniswap X. Um, So what I'm seeing is that the DeFi incumbents, they're all trying to compete with each other. They're all going horizontal. So they all start... With uh, you know, building a really successful product for one small niche, um, and then at some point once they they have the next success, they go compete with each other, um, and that's what I think is happening today in crypto. So Uniswap you know, is directly competing with One Inch, for example. Uh, they started as two very distinct products. Uniswap um, you know was this Dex protocol, and One Inch is this Dex aggregator but now they're going head-to-head against each other.
2: Um, Do you you want to talk a bit about what a DEX is, just for the listeners?
3: Oh, a DEX is a decentralized exchange. Um, So think of of NASDAQ or Coinbase, but fully on-chain. The the trading happens on-chain.
1: What needs to happen for it to be ready for mainstream on, on DeFi, you think, or have mainstream adoption?
3: I think DeFi... That's my hunch. I'm not 100% sure, but but I think in order for DeFi to go mainstream, it is dependent on other consumer applications to go mainstream, because DeFi is very much a a game for crypto natives. So as long as the pool of crypto natives doesn't grow, DeFi won't grow too much. So. Then the question is, how do you make the the pool of crypto natives grow? Well, you have to build crypto native consumer applications that reaches um, the the mainstream.
2: I have a slightly different uh, thought on this. Um, I think uh, we might get uh, DeFi adoption in the next bull run. Uh, And I think it's because uh, Uniswap recently launched uh their own wallet um and for those that don't know what a wallet is wallet is essentially this on-chain uh account management system that keeps a track of your money your nfts and all your on-chain behavior and activities so that is the portal that you use to log in to the, the crypto world and there's 375 wallets today so owning that experience is where a lot of value is going to accrue over the next decade. And then the incumbents are MetaMask, Phantom uh, and others uh, where um, what's going to happen, I think uh, is just primarily on on the thesis that Chow talked about, which is speculation. Uh, speculation is the reason why people come into crypto. So if you look at the bull run, you know, people come in, if you look at the media, you know, it's like a, Pretty much more or less a cycle. It happens there. It's cyclical. Uh, and so, the way people speculate right now, all the speculative tokens are sitting on, on chain within the Uniswap decks And every, like all the people that I know that are retail, in a, when I say retail, I say users that are not crypto native. When they ask me, when they say, like, oh, I want to buy these tokens, I can't find it in Coinbase. How do I buy it? They go online and they search and they figure out, like, you know, they can use MetaMask, which is a wallet. They can log in and start to speculate. It's a very convoluted process. So Uniswap launched a wallet. It's a very simple wallet that allows anyone to trade uh, tokens, NFT or and, uh, tokens. Uh, so I've been using it for the past two weeks to trade tokens just to see what this experience is like, and it's very easy and simple to use. Very easy. Is so, that the uh, mobile wallet? The mobile wallet. Uh, Do you have to sign transactions? Yeah. But it's, it's really easy. You, just, you can just use Face ID. So like, I mean, it's so simple. Uh, and so I've been using it for the past two weeks because they just announced this wallet like a month ago. So I've been using it for two weeks. And I really feel, and, and whenever you trade a token, you're using the Uniswap protocol, right? Uh, and so it's just as easy as Coinbase, if not simpler. And you get to trade any token you want. So so, uh, so you
3: send transactions by using your face ID with yeah. rather than like clicking on yeah on a button
2: yeah and, and you do it once right so like i just hit like okay i'm going to buy this quote token you hit you buy face id done
3: yeah i, I think mm. you are right so so actually uh, yeah you're right the, the, the account abstraction stuff is what possibly uh leads to mainstream ado- adoption of defi without anything else because it basically makes uh the access to this global casino a lot easier to 7 billion people like in a user experience that that they're already familiar with
2: and by the way (laughs) like oh sorry (laughs) one more point by the way like coinbase you need to do kyc you need to log in Uh, like it's a there's a lot of friction to using coinbase finance and other products uniswap i just download the app fund the account, I'm ready to buy. So uh, even from that perspective, it's going to be very easy for Uniswap to gain a lot of users from a wallet perspective. Sorry, but go ahead, Sean.
4: I'm, I'm, I think it's interesting. So I went to business school. I'm a finance native person. So I'm a software engineer, and a lot of the stuff going on in DeFi just sounds like voodoo magic and yep. doesn't match to any concepts that, that, I, can, that I can understand, like you know, trading in and out of liquidity pools. These topics are, are like feel like arcane high finance. Uh, the types of like the, the domains for you know, HFT guys, yeah. not the domains for you know Joe Schmo. Like he's not playing blackjack. You know, uh,
3: I I think the beauty of DeFi is it DeFi provides all different kinds of games. It's like in a casino. There's different kinds of games for different type of players. there's are super super sophisticated. Poker tables for sophisticated players, but there's also slot machines, right? And it's the same thing in DeFi. The stuff that you mentioned, I agree, is for very advanced, sophisticated players. But there's also a bunch of dot coins and PayPays and all these things that the average person can relate to, I think, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think there, there's a game for, for everyone.
4: And you think they're, they're trading on, on vibes. They're, they're basically betting on community sentiments. How, how do you sort of explain the rules of the game to a, to a newbie that wants to, to participate and get, you know, not be somebody else's exit liquidity?
3: Yeah. I mean, the, the rules are simple. The rules is if you make money, you win. If you lose money, you lose. Um, but the strategies of the game is uh, a lot more tricky. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, in the vast majority of cases, um, it's, it's your exit liquidity. But you will learn. Over, you will learn over time. You will learn about the sentiment driven driven trading. You know, the, the Twitter like the, the people shilling. Uh, what is that recent thing uh, uh, that um, uh, RBL? Th- that uh, oh Robit. I've been Robot. telling you
2: about Robit. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. So there are scammers like that shilling. You know, garbage tokens and, and shit.
2: I don't know if it's well. We could talk. We could debate that yeah. later. I
3: mean, it's it's not. It's, it's, I don't know what it is, but there's a lot yeah. of very shady people showing showing it. Um, but anyway, you will learn over time. What I've learned is I, I stay away from these games. I'll, I'll stick to the games that I that I know how to play. Um, so there's a game for everyone.
2: I'm very attracted to the riskier plays. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the few, the proud, the degens.
1: i I'm, I'm curious how you guys think about. Like this conversation post sort of AI excitement post FTX, it it just feels like there's obviously there's just a different tenor towards towards the space and 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 some people um, certainly outside of the space, sometimes even in the space, have become to your to what you said a little bit embarrassed, right? Um, and and what I hear from you guys is like wrongfully so like we learned the wrong lessons from from what's 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 happened, not not just with 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 FTX. How do you kind of make sense of like the timing of
2: of the conversation we're having now? Imran. I think um I I think it's the right timing. Um there there's because... no better timing than this. E- exactly. Uh you know, we had our our moment to shine, and then you know, we had this whole, you know, this AI boom, which gave us uh I which I think um helped crypto as well because there are a lot of cross-crypto AI startups that have joined in crypto. And so like the the uh, the startup that J- chow just mentioned, Yakoa, is a AI crypto startup that provides, you know, using AI as a way to detect uh, NFTs, right? Whether they're knockoffs or not, as an example. So we're seeing some incredible talent coming into this phase. And I think that's analogous to the past two, three bear markets that we were a part of, uh, which is usually the period after the 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 boom and the bottoming period, which is where we are right now are are the times where we see the most incredible founders come into the space and building space T- 2018 19 you remember this eric uh when uh, hayden built out uniswap right um and back then no one really you know cared right uh for what hayden was building i mean in fact like we were all in the same group chat and hayden dropped his white paper in our group chat uh the handshake group chat and no one like replied back to the chat, right, uh, for feedback. And so that is where we are. I mean, we're seeing some incredible founders in the space that are similar to Hayden. It's just, um, you know, the ones that stuck around are going to be the ones that are able to find those types of opportunities.
3: I'm, I'm very passionate, passionate about it.
2: Go for it. Uh,
3: just, just to touch on on uh, what Imran said, uh, I'm very passionate about AI myself. Yeah, As AI is real. Uh, there's no doubt about, about it. But I've been paying very close attention to the fundraising environment and AI. And it seems to me that AI is exactly where crypto was in late 2021. It's basically uninvestable. There's a lot of really good projects, but the valuations that that are raising it is ridiculous. Um, So, at least from an investor point of view, crypto is the right place to be counterintuitively right now.
2: Yeah. The valuations have come down (laughs) also.
3: What I do know is, what I what I have very high conviction is that uh the next cycle is not one of those we're moving away from speculation into the utility phase cycle yes. of, of crypto. Uh we're still gonna be in the speculative phase.
2: So which is bullish for founders because we're so very early in the space. Um so there's so many more opportunities in the space to build if uh um, if you're excited about crypto. I I still think uh, NFTs had its first kind of like cycle. I think NFTs this time around is going to have it even like, I think it's going to be even more massive. Uh, I I mean, there's some tweets out there. You know, I don't know. I haven't really processed it, but I'll share it here. Um, I shared it with Chow, but uh, some people think that the non-fungible market is going to eclipse the fungible market. And fungible market means like the tokens, traditional tokens that are traded for Ethereum, Bitcoin, and ERC20s and stuff like that. I and, and I, I'm not sure how like I'm not sure how to process that, but I do know it's going to be massive. Uh, if you look at like what's happening with the music NFT space, sound.xyz, there's I don't know, like 10,000 collectors are collecting music. Uh Snoop Dogg launched its its own NFT, music NFT on Sound.xyz, and there are a lot of incredible musicians that are launching their own. Uh and so I think that is going to be a thing next bull run um, is like NFTs and then more specific, like vertical specific NFTs will be a thing. Um, tokens will always be tokens. Uh, DeFi. Um, I don't know. I, I think um, Uniswap wallet will, will be a big factor. I think in the next bull run, at least what I, that's what I think.
4: Yeah.
2: Is there anything we haven't
1: yet? Uh, covered that you want to make sure we we get in before we wrap
2: do you want to talk about decentralized or proof of physical work startups i
3: don't know that there'll be a whole new uh, episode yeah, that's a, <laughs> we can spend like yeah, three hours just talking about it but there's yeah. there so many things that we haven't touched um but uh yeah we only touched
2: out. on three like high level topics which is i mean they're so deep so maybe yeah. we should do a part two yeah. where we can touch on like the AI web through crossover proof of physical work, um, decentralized science, zero knowledge proofs, um, And then maybe even the uh, infrastructure like handshake and, and others.
1: That'd be fun. Uh, we'll, we'll do a part two uh, in the meantime for people who are, who are interested, they should check out your podcast. Good game. It's a fantastic podcast and um, you. check you both out on Twitter and check out the, the, the Alliance website as well. Um, Ciao, Ramon. Thanks so much for joining us. Likewise. Thanks Eric, Sean.